0: on which Liverpool are celebrating the fact that they are through to the fourth round of the EFL Cup, defeating the mighty Derby County on penalties last night. Liverpool lined up with, as expected, a heavily rotated, very young team. uh, Cuevin Callaghan goal, Calvin Ramsey, Nathaniel Kenneth Phillips, Joe Gomez and Costa Simicus at the back. Alex Oxley, chamberlain Chamberlain, uh, Stefan Besetic and Bobby Clark in midfield, Fraundorf, Stewart and Carvalho up front, Firmino, Adrian, Elliot, Darwin, Ben Doak, Jake Kane, Durell Kwanzaa, Luke Chambers and Harvey Davies on the bench. Derby lined up with one intention, that was to park the bus and to try and get this game to penalties and take the chances. Uh, To be fair, they did have a couple of decent breakaway opportunities. Uh, They had six shots in the game on 26% possession. We had 19 on 74% possession. Uh, We brought on Bobby, Harvey, Darwin, and Ben Doak during the game. And it was the 16-year-old Scott who was the most exciting of them. That kid looks like he might have something about him. That burst of speed reminds me a bit of Michael Owen, the way he can go from zero to top speed, like almost instantaneously. It's a little bit Salah-esque as well in the way he carries the ball, how purposeful he is. Always trying to make something happen. Gave Louis Sibley playing left wing back a lot of trouble. Beat him quite easily a couple of times. Didn't like the fact that we wasted Darwin left wing when he came on. I thought that was just a bit pointless. Harvey Elliott looked busy when he came on. His final ball was poor, but he was involved in a lot of different things. He did play one or two nice passes. Uh, But the game ended 0-0, went to penalties, and Cueving Kelleher, once again, the hero on the day. So David McGoldrick steps up for Derby and scores. Besetich steps up for us. The goalkeeper is at least two yards off his line when he saves it. At least two yards off his line. It should have been retaken. It wasn't. Hurrihan steps up for Derby and Queaving saves it. Oxley Chamberlain steps up. Lovely penalty from Ox. Again, their keeper's a mile off his line. So at this point, the referee's assistant who's come across to you know to check that he's staying in his line has a word with him about staying on his line craig foresight steps up for derby and again callaher makes a really good save bobby steps up to put us in the lead again their keepers two or three yards off his line bobby spoons his penalty over the bar again the official talks to their refer- to their goalkeeper about staying on his line. Louis Sibley scores. Darwin scores perfect penalty in the bottom corner. And again, he talks to him about staying on his line. So three of the first four penalties he's spoken to after by the, the referee's assistant, stay on your line. Not for the first one where he practically ran out and hugged Bassettich. Or percentage. Ridiculous. Carry on. Lewis Dobbins steps up. And Kelleher makes an unbelievable save. An absolutely unbelievable save. And then Harvey Elliott steps up. And When Harvey stepped up. You were confident that he was going to score. And he does. And Liverpool are through. 3-2 on penalties. Uh, Thoughts from the game. Big Kev. Just a machine when it comes to penalty shootouts. He's now won four penalty shootouts for Liverpool and that's the most in club history. He's only played like 18 games. Um, Doak and Ramsey in particular stood out to me as players that might really be something to get excited about in the long term. Ramsey looks so composed. He's so good on the ball. He anticipates well. He covers well defensively. Thought the two centre backs had iffy moments in the game, which wasn't great. Uh, their goalkeeper appeared to me to be a complete bell end. I, I, I just he reminded me of Aaron Ramsdale, just that that big gobshite who thinks he's a real character, but he's actually just a bell end. Um, all things considered, you have to be happy. You have to be happy to be through. Uh, we're into the fourth round, and. Um, I think those games are due to be played before the Premier League comes back, like a couple of days after the World Cup final. So, wouldn't necessarily be a be a bad thing to get one of the few remaining Premier League teams. So we have in the draw: Leicester, Bournemouth, Burnley, Lincoln City, Charlton. MK Dons, Gillingham, Blackburn, Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Southampton, Brighton, Wolves, Manchester City, ourselves obviously, and either Manchester United or Aston Villa. They played tonight. Notable teams that were knocked out already include Chelsea, Leeds, Arsenal. Crystal Palace, Spurs, West Ham, Brentford. That's, you would have to say ourselves and City would have to be made the favourites now. Now, for me, I'd rather not be arsed with the League Cup because I'd rather focus on the League. But if we could get City in the next round and knock them out, well, you know. They're still awaiting some players to come back from the World Cup. Might not be a bad thing. We'll have a stronger team than they would, you'd imagine. I think Klopp will play a strong team as well, because he won't want to go into the league game cold. He'll want some of those players having minutes in the legs, and Diaz should be back. Mo would be available. Joe Gomez would be available. Joel Matip would be available. Kelleher would be the goalkeeper anyway. Ramsey and Costas, or or Ramsey and Robbo, was the fullbacks. Bobby would be available. He's not going to the World Cup, so you go Mo, Bobby, Diaz up front, Elliot, Besetic, maybe, and possibly Thiago if he doesn't go to the World Cup, in midfield. And then that defense with Joe and Joel in the middle and Ramsey and Robo as the fullbacks, Keller and Gold, it's not bad. It's not bad. City will have Haaland, but don't know what else they'll have really, other than Riyadh Maris. Most of the rest of them will be at the World Cup. Um the ownership thing continues to, you know, build some momentum. Uh, Jurgen Klopp says that no matter what, he is committed to the club now whether that means he would be committed to the club if let's say one of the oil nations bought the club I don't know um but it sounds like he he might be at least open to to staying on uh, in that situation which is which is the ideal obviously um the one name that's doing the rounds that's really exciting is Steve balmer the owner of the LA Clippers, um, widely ranked as one of the best owners in the NBA, has has done a great job with, with the Clippers, made them relevant, franchise that hadn't been relevant ever. He's the best thing that's happened to them since they moved to California from Buffalo in the late 70s. He's building a new stadium for them, new arena in Inglewood. His commitment to building that arena extends to the fact that there is an exi- there was or still is an existing arena in the area called the Forum, where the Lakers used to play back in the day. And the owners of the Forum objected to the building of this new Clippers arena because the Clippers were going to use it also for concerts and things like that because that's one of the ways NBA teams can make revenue, is by leasing out their arena. And the owners of the forum thought, well, that's going to eat into our revenue. So Steve Balmer just went and bought that other arena for $400 million. Without even blinking, he just went and bought it for $400 million. So he bought an arena for the cost of what Newcastle's owners paid for their club. Just so he could build another arena in the area. That's that's the kind of wealth this guy has. This guy makes Roman Abramovich look like he's kind of struggling to get by. That's the kind of wealth he has. He pays a huge luxury tax on his team and doesn't blink in the repeater tax. Doesn't blink. Doesn't care. Wants success. Many NBA experts, people like Zach Lowe, would rank the Clippers roster as one of the best in the NBA maybe the best in the West when healthy that's the thing that's kind of scuppered them they may well have a couple of titles if it wasn't for injuries but he wants the best and if he's involved then he is going to spend to have the best Um. so just keep an eye for his name if it comes up a few people have suggested that he could be in the mix you'd imagine he'd be probably part of a consortium I don't think it's something he'd do himself even though he could more than afford it on his own, I think he's the type that would go in with Josh Harris and Dave Blitzer. And I think that's the perfect group. Maybe you add one more. Maybe they want to add someone else. But I think that's the perfect group because Harris and Blitzer know the Premier League. They've been involved with Crystal Palace for a couple of years. They're also super ambitious. You see that with what they've done with the 76ers. Blitzer owns six other football clubs, so you get a multi-club model. And Barmer brings that incredible level of wealth that should facilitate a proper approach to recruitment, not penny pinching at every corner. Um this is Anfield have some pieces up about last night. A piece up about Southampton naming the new manager. It is Nathan Jones. Um Queaving Kelleher admits difficult situation, cup games vital for his progress. I wouldn't be surprised if Kelleher isn't at Liverpool next season i I could see him kind of forcing a lone move because he needs to play more often. He really does need to play more often. He is a very talented goalkeeper, and at his age now he's going to want to be playing every week. He's 23, he turns 24 in a couple of weeks. He's going to want to play every week. Now, Celtic are going to be looking for a goalkeeper in the summer and that would be a really, really nice loan move for all parties. He'd get Champions League football. He'd get to play in a winning team, a team that plays out from the back, which plays to his strengths. He'd get to play under a great manager in Ange Postacoglu. they play a high line. They play a pressing style. So those type of things translate. And, of course, as a, as a proud Irishman and a proud Corkman, uh, I would imagine the allure of Celtic would be strong. So that, for me, is the perfect outcome, is that that's where he ends up. But whatever happens, he he needs games, and he's not going to get as many here as he needs. Um What are we looking at? Yeah, 18 games. Last night was his 18th game. He made his debut in the 1920 seasons. This is season four for him. So he definitely needs to play more often. Uh, Let's see. Liverpool.com. Four possible bidders for FSG Liverpool sale as preferred outcome clear and one bidder ruled out. I think... It's important that people are aware of who Stephen Paliuca is and um that he shouldn't and hopefully won't be someone in the mix. So this name's four potential buyers, Stephen Paliuka and Partners. Uh he, he just he to me strikes me as another Hickson Gillette. Uh Harris Blitzer, Sports and Entertainment, Sir Martin Broughton. Broughton was the kind of face of the front of one of the bids for Chelsea. Um, uh, he wasn't putting any real kind of money in, but Harris Blitzer are the ones that would be kind of the main driving force behind it. And if they could get Barmer in, that would be ideal. Uh Connor McGregor, we can all just forget that he's even an option. Jim Ratcliffe has ruled himself out, thankfully. Uh his politics are less than ideal, less than stellar. Now most of them are. Like, let's be honest, we're not finding a socialist billionaire unless it's George Soros, but yeah, P- Pagliuca and and, and um, Ratcliffe are just immediate knows when you really dig into them. And the final one here is Dubai International, Capital, Bahrain and Gulf States. I mean, there is the possibility. I, I wonder would an individual from the Middle East potentially be open to partnering with, the, with a, an American group, would the American group be open to partnering with him? Like, as, as I put together my dream ownership group, Harris, Blitzer, Balmer, and maybe someone from the Middle East, and you get the best of both worlds, that could be very, very interesting. But, yeah, it's all speculation at this point. No one really knows much of anything, if we're being honest. Uh, a few people have Snippets and a few people are hearing bits from maybe a couple of people that are involved in the process, but nobody knows the full picture right now. Um, On AnfieldIndex.com, there is a whole bunch of articles, actually. So let's go through these. Uh, FSG Sale, No Perfect Solution. That's by David Davies. Imagine if we had renewed Ginny's contract. That's by Stephen Smith. I can imagine it. We'd have an extra league title in the Champions League sitting in the bank from last season. Uh, How well are Liverpool finishing? This is a piece put together by Richard Coles. There is player ratings from last night's game. Uh, Stephen Smith put these together. Kelleher, eight. Ramsey, eight. Costa, seven. Nat, seven. Mm, That's a little bit high. Gomez, seven. Again, a little bit high. Bobby Clark, 6. six. Besetich, 7. Fraundorf, 7. Carvalho, 7. Leighton Stewart, 6. Ox, 6. Yeah. Ox played one gorgeous ball to Harvey that almost resulted in a goal. Harvey, 6. Darwin, 6. Firmino, 5. And he had a great header. He should have scored as well. Uh, and Ben Dowick 7. Kloppo, 6. And finally, the last piece here is about Joe Gomez and how he might be the most cashable asset at Liverpool, one that we could afford to sell and uh, reinvest. Now, we look, we may not need to do that if we get the right owners. We may not need to sell anybody. But certainly if you're going down the list of players that could be sold, Joe, Curtis, Costas, Queeving. Nat Phillips, obviously. That's probably that's probably it. I mean, that's probably the list. Outside of some youngsters that aren't going to make the level, but in terms of ones that are bringing in real money, that's probably the list. Because Ox and Nabby and Bobby, remember, are out of contract, so you can't include them. Uh, podcast-wise, there is Post-Match Raw, Guy Drinkle and Carl Wilkinson discussing the Irish do-deck after last night's game. There is a scouted out for, for Southampton. There is a under-pressure with um, Dan Kennett, Phil Barker, and Cy Brundish. Daniel Rhodes was unwell, so he was unable to take part. Simon had to uh, jump off halfway through because his internet just gave out. It's because he lives in Derby and it's the punishment for Derby County employing an absolute bell end as a goalkeeper. Simon doesn't get proper internet. So that's it. That is what we have on Anfieldindex.com. Do check it all out and I'll see you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show.